All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcahy Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome, listeners, to the FS360 podcast. We're up to episode four. Uh, your host, Gavin Nash, is here with uh, co-host, Chris Mulcahy. Welcome, Chris. G'day, Gav. How are you going? Not too bad. We're up to number four. Yep. We they, always said we're going to have a crack yep. at four. Look, they said we'd never make it, but... Um, There's a look, song about that. Yeah, there is too. <laughs> Anyhow, we've called in the big gun today, haven't we, just to help us through it? Well, I thought, you know, if you're putting things up on social media and you drop names of celebrity accountants... This man would be in there. He's a director here at Mulcahy Co., Mark Cunningham. Welcome, Mark. Uh, thanks very much for the intro, guys. I don't know about that, but, yeah, very reluctant to be here. Bit of a local footy hero, aren't you, mate? You're a premiership player at the Ballarat Swans. Again, wouldn't say that's exactly <laughs> right. Premiership player, yes. Wouldn't say local hero, though. Superstar, I heard. But anyway, he's, um, he is our uh, tax expert here today. We're here to talk about tax planning is one of our um, topics today. So Mark's going to help us with that. But before we get into that, Mark, um, we're going to throw to Chris and get an update on some of the current uh, stimulus um, things happening uh, with the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, look, I guess you'd say we're in the implementation phase now. So there's been a lot of talk over the last few weeks and particularly on our podcasts, keeping an update of where things are at. So we're implementing now. So the cash flow boost, which is that minimum $20,000, maximum $100,000 that can be claimed by eligible businesses. So that's being claimed through the activity statement process now. So we're in the process of doing that. And also the JobKeeper process. So... uh, Businesses are now enrolling, going through that process, and yeah, so that'll be in the system as well. So it's all happening, you could say. So with the JobKeeper, is that uh, have any payments been made yet, Chris, or is it in the coming weeks? Yeah, so that's still to come. So the JobKeeper applications are open this week, and the first payments are due to come back in the first week of May. Oh, yeah, so we're sort of a week and a half, <laughs> yeah, maybe two uh, weeks yeah, away not too from far the first away, payments. Yes. Yep, yeah, exactly. yeah, so the key at the moment is just being prepared and getting those eligible employees. It's a... One in all in system though, isn't it, Mark? That's how yeah, it's Yeah, that's right. You can't nominate, uh, you can't selectively choose. So if you're applying for one staff member, you have to apply for everyone that's eligible. Nice one. I think um, we've all probably been in touch with pe- someone that's involved with that JobKeeper. I know um, uh, even talking to a couple of the younger guys, friends of my sons, you know, they've sort of, they've been nominated for it. So they're sort of looking forward to seeing when those first payments come through. Yeah, that's right. So I think it's one of those things, as we've been saying all along, there's been a lot of headlines and a lot of talk about these um, stimulus measures. So it's, it'll be good to sort of see the cash start flowing into the economy, which is what it's all about at the end of the day. So with the cash flow boost, that's starting to hit uh, the activity statements now. So I think um, the ATR have paid out close to $3 billion. Now, I'm not sure if that's actually hit bank accounts yet, but it's uh, been credited to business uh, ATO accounts, so um, and roughly about 177,000 businesses have lodged those to, to date. So that's all happening, as well as, yeah, the ATO, which is good news. I've put on 1,500 extra staff to help with this process, so just to help with the lodgement process and make sure that that's all happening. And probably one interesting point with the job JobKeeper, um, 275,000 businesses have enrolled and 50% of those are sole traders which is interesting. Just, was that expected, Mark, do you think, or what do you think from your client list? Uh, I think once they changed it so that the sole trader themselves is eligible, that really increased the numbers. A lot of sole, tra- so, uh, sole traders probably don't have employees, so originally they weren't going to get it, and now that they are, everyone's sort of getting on the front foot and registering now. 
from an accounting or reporting point of view, do you two think it's been a laborious process getting reports together to uh, validate that a business is eligible for it? Or is that kind of just part of what you normally do for clients here? Yeah, look, it probably is. I think it's one of those things that I guess from day one when these things were announced, clients thought that they could access it from day one. So we've had that time period between, I don't know, middle of March. Yeah, about a month ago, yep. Middle of March through to now, sort of knowing what's coming but not actually knowing the detail that sits in behind it and how we go about the process. So I think that's been a bit of a challenge. But we're learning things every day. Like even walking in here today, there's been some new announcement with how you can access the JobKeeper. So I think there's going to be changes as we go through this whole process. So I think the number one thing for a lot of people listening out there is just just to be patient, you know, because it, there are things changing and um, the accountants can only keep up with what's being announced and yep. being yep, official and right. into law. So. That's right. So I think the way that we've approached it anyway was, I guess, when JobKeeper first was announced, we registered all of our clients, not really knowing what the process was going to be, but we made sure that they were in the system. And then also um, just making sure that we're just keeping them up to date. I think that's been the key thing, just keeping that communication flowing so they understand what the process is and then probably identifying those clients that desperately need it. So, the, you know, we talk about the hospitality industry, the accommodation industry, um, just businesses that desperately need the funds to hit the bank account as soon as it's available. Especially those ones, as you say, that have completely closed. You know, that, they're, the, they're, the, uh, they're the ones really heavily hit. There's a lot of, lot of people taking some sort of a income hit or a cash flow hit, but for some businesses they're completely shut. So they're the ones that need that help straight away. Yeah, that's right. So, no, look, it has been full on. So I think we should do a bit of a shout-out to our teams because they've done a fantastic effort, particularly probably the, you know, working from home's been challenging, but we're very fortunate that we can do that. So the IT team have done a great job keeping all that rolling, plus the working parents um, that are schooling their children as well. So I think that's been harder than keeping up with the JobKeeper, trying to... um educate kids at home as well as doing that's been a, a tough effort for a lot of them yeah so a massive shout out to everyone that's yeah i think across all industries but i guess particularly yeah referring to our team yeah they've done a great job and yeah so hopefully they can keep it up for a few more months and i think uh what it's it's for employers it's meant that everyone's taken on board a little bit of flexibility you know um i know with my team i've got a couple of guys home um working and they've got both got primary school age kids and it's just a matter of giving them some flexibility during the day. They might not be able to do the exact business hours they always do, but some of them, some of them will jump on early and then they'll jump on maybe in the <laughs> evening or whatever and make up some time. So as long as it, employers and, and staff are both flexible in these situations, I think we're all in pretty good shape. Probably something else during the week, Gav, uh, that's all starting to flow through now is the early access to super. We touched on that with Thane Turley last uh, episode. Um, so, so far there's been 456,000 requests um, which have totaled $3.8 billion being requested to be paid out. So that's under that $10,000 uh, early access scheme to superannuation that you can access twice, so two lots of $10,000. So this will be the first round. So that's been an average of $8,000 per person. So obviously some people are thinking, well, I don't need the full 10, but I need five or six or whatever, and that's how we end up with the average at eight. Yep, that's right, yeah. And um, super funds have five days to process the claim. So once again... Uh, there's a fair bit of pressure in the system to make all these things happen. So as Thane touched on last week, like the actual liquidity in some of these superannuation funds might be a bit of an issue, but 
I guess we'll sort of see how that all pans out over the coming week. Especially those couple of ho- uh, like Host Plus is one I think he mentioned last week, which are really in that hospitality part of the industry. You know, they do supply a lot of super for those those people. Yeah, that's right. So they're particularly going to be hit pretty hard yeah. by that. Now, probably just over the last few weeks, we've been making comments about how, I guess, yep, we're dealing with the crisis now, but the actual flow on. So we're starting to sort of see what's likely to happen as time goes on. And I guess, you know, one of the major headlines this week was the collapse of Virgin. They called in the voluntary administrators. So a bit of a tough call for the government, I guess, in terms of, you know, Virgin looking for a bailout. Um, but I guess once you sort of read through the bit of the detail, because I think, you know, it, it probably is a requirement to have that second airline, but I guess I've got to work through the process and Virgin was probably in a bit of financial trouble before all this came about anyway. So in the past 10 years, I'd only had one profitable year, um, $5 billion of debt and majority of the shareholders are uh, foreigners. So Etihad owns just under 21%, um, Singapore Airlines just over 20%. Richard Branson's Virgin Group, uh, just over 10%. So I guess there's a few big players amongst the shareholders and I assume that they're possibly dealing with their own issues with their direct airlines. But, you know, you'd probably think the government have probably played it pretty well. I've just got to probably sit back. They've appointed that Nicholas Moore, the former Macquarie Bank CEO, to be the government advisor just to work through. I think Deloitte have been appointed as the administrators. So, yeah, so that'll be interesting to sort of see how that plays out. Another thing newsworthy was probably the oil price during the week. Has anyone fueled up this week? Well, in some spots it's under a dollar. Yeah. yeah no, was, under a dollar a litre. I was chatting to one of the guys out back before and they said, yep, they fueled up the other day and it was under a dollar. So, yeah, so just that lack of demand. It hasn't like, been under a dollar in about 20 years. No, that's right. That's right. So, and I think the Australian government have just bought big reserves of fuel um, of uh, oil, so um, taking advantage of that lower price. And also the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe, sort of came out and sort of started talking about the reform agenda. Um, so, you know, we've got to have the biggest reform agenda that we've seen in 30 years. So I guess they're talking about tax reform, industrial relations and other deregulation. And a big part of that is reducing the company tax rates, sort of looking to do that. So for businesses with a turnover above 50 mil, that's still at 30%. Small businesses under 50 mil, that's dropping to 25%, I think, isn't it, next year? It's uh, 27.5% this yep, year. currently, yep. Yeah, but they're talking of trying to push that lower just to create that, you know, um, in- that incentive. So looking for cooperation between business and unions, uh, no increase in the tax burden for businesses that acts as a disincentive. Talking about broadening and deepening the GST as a way of collecting tax. Um, but then Dr Ken Henry, he did that tax review possibly 10 years ago or so. About 10 years ago. Yeah, so he's he's talking about a cash flow tax to replace the GST and also replace payroll tax and other state-based taxes. So, yeah, it's a pretty simple formula or method he's referring to, but basically paying tax on the difference between your purchases and sales. So that could be an interesting one. So I think what we're really gearing up to see is some major reform and in areas that we probably, you know, probably don't expect them in, but they've got to create incentive for business. If we want to get out of this by growing the economy rather than increasing taxes and cutting spending, um, there's got to be some incentive there. So, it's a pretty, um, uh, pretty big call when he's talking about 
you know, changing the GST or, or replacing it. Yeah, that's like right. That's, a, that's right. That was a massive yeah. thing, obviously, when it came in. But yep. And also, just a bit of commentary on just broadening that land tax. Like that'd be a pretty easy one to sort of tap into, um, and death duties, and even taxing the principal place of residence. So. Yeah, look, it's probably an opportunity to reform the tax system because there's a massive need and whilst the governments and um, so forth seem to be working well together, I guess we'll see a bit of activity in that area. Thanks for that, Chris. Thanks for the update, um, giving us an update on all the stimulus uh, that's happening at the moment. Um, Our guest this week is Mark Cunningham, Director here at Mulcain Co. in the accounting area. Uh, Mark's going to talk about the topic of tax planning. Uh, We're halfway through, three-quarters of the way through April so we've all got about a month and a half um, or two and a half months to go until end of financial year. So um, I'm going to throw over to Mark to cover a couple of um, key points with uh, what you can do for your individual and your business tax planning. Thanks, Gav. Obviously, uh, this is accountants' usual busy time of the year in terms of looking at businesses and tax planning. It's been a bit of commentary around that it might not be as busy this year due to the current state of the environment, but what we're finding is we're probably planning on being busier So just with everything going on, it's probably more important than ever to make sure that we know how people are positioned before the end of the year. Um, Also looking at the opportunities that it's presented that might not have been there in the past that we can use for tax planning ideas this year, which has been uh, something that we've been working on over the last couple of weeks. So first of all, probably tax planning, what is it and what does it involve? Uh, It's not just about saving tax. Obviously, that's what we're here to do. We obviously don't want to pay any more tax than we need to. So planning around that is something that's very important, but also it's a chance to grow our wealth and look at cash flow management to make sure that the business is stable moving forward. With everything going on with JobKeeper, it's probably a perfect time to review cash flows and do some cash flow forecasts around what that looks like. Obviously, a lot of businesses, hospitality have changed their offerings and changed their staffing accordingly. So with that, comes need to review cash flow and also looking at the fact that they've traded for nine months most of these businesses up until this all happened and probably traded very profitably so there's still that period of profit even though there's not much coming in at the moment for those businesses there's still a tax bill and we need to plan for that from a cash flow point of view Um, so cash flow is probably a real key in a lot of the things that'll be for tax planning this year and usually people will go out and spend a lot of money before June to try and save tax and they're sort of thinking, well, I'm not going to have that money. So there's alternatives that people probably need to look at and even with the share market coming off, that's presented opportunities with people that might own shares in their own names that are now not sitting in a capital gains position. They've never been willing to sell them and incur the tax. Now there's an opportunity to maybe realise those shares and maybe contribute those to their super funds if that's an opportunity for them. So there's also things that can be done that don't involve actually spending money. So that's probably the main thing for people to be looking at at the moment. It's probably smarter ways of doing things. So even from a business level, there's people with um, franking credits in their company accounts, so tax that they've paid in the past that they've never been able to access because they've been having profitable years every year for the last 10 years. So there's an opportunity now that we could look at paying dividends out to shareholders. Um, That's a big opportunity for this year that with a drop in income, whether it's this year or next year, but from a timing point of view, there's also things we need to do to plan for that now. So we need to get everything in place to allow us to declare that dividend and, and pay it effectively before June. So we're doing a lot of planning around that with companies at the moment. 
with family trusts as well, we obviously need to do our trust distribution minutes before the 30th of June. So allocating the profit to who we're going to pay tax on that for the year. So by doing that, we need to have a good look through how the business is performing, what level of profit there's going to be, what other income people have got, family members might have lost jobs and created opportunities that way that there hasn't been in the past as well. So what you mean by that, Mark, is that there might be family members with lower taxable incomes that that family trust could distribute extra income to? Yeah, that's right. And in the past, they might have had a full-time job and, and not been able to be a beneficiary of the trust. But now with what's happened... Um, there might be an ability to, to get a few more family members involved. Yeah, look, I think the big one is tapping into those franking credits. So if you do trade through a company, you have paid tax in the past, that tax is sitting there and potentially can be claimed back. So this might be that year or the next couple of years might be the years that we can really tap into that. <laughs> so particularly when you combine it with the instant asset write-off um, and that other depreciation. depreciation yeah, yeah. yeah, so there's some really good opportunities there to... Uh, use this time frame to sort of maximise. And I, I think you touched on um, the value of shares and maybe, you know, sometimes we come across clients that have probably got ownership of assets in the wrong name and it's mainly because of capital gains tax that we can't fix that. It might be an issue to look at some of those situations and actually get them fixed up. So whether it's property, it could be property as well, whether it's, um, yeah, shares, it might be that chance to actually fix a lot of those things up. And what we're probably seeing as well is people that have had a capital gain earlier in the financial year, so they might have sold an asset in July, August, and, and we've been planning for a capital gain on that, there might be an ability to have some capital losses now to offset some of those capital gains based on share pricing, based on property pricing that they were looking at changing structure. So there's definitely opportunity for people with capital gains from earlier in the year that we can look at. Um, tied in with as well, and I know Thane spoke about briefly, but bringing forward super contributions Depending on cash flow, people might not have put a super contribution in last year and maximised their $25,000 that they're allowed to put into superannuation. So that this year realistically allows them to put in up to 50000 depending on their super balance. So they might be able to do things like that as a one-off to reduce their tax payable for this year. Yeah, and just with the different industries too, we've got the tax planning guide for farmers. We've sent that out in the last week or so because they were pretty keen to get their hands on it. Um, yeah, the farming sector particularly in the local area have, have had a pretty good year um, so they're looking at taking advantage of these tax incentives so and I know Mark you guys are putting together the one for the for the non-farmers yep that's coming together should be out soon if anyone's looking for that tax um, planning for farmers it's up on our news page on the website so mulk.com.au so jump on there and if you're in the farming industry and you want to have a look at how the best to tax plan it's a um, like an ebook that you can download and have a read yeah, main thing obviously in there, as Chris touched on, probably from the farming side, we're seeing it most because they've had a good year, but also for every other business, the 150 instant asset write-off, so any assets up to that 150000 that was increased from the $30,000. Um, and as the budget's been pushed back to October, usually we wait on it being extended for another period of time. As it stands at the moment, from 1st of July, that drops back to $1,000. So if you don't buy it... So nothing else you, has been announced yet to say that it's going to continue and it may not continue. They may yeah, may not even go back to the 30000 That's right. So back to one. very big difference for a business that's looking at buying something anyway and if they buy it on the 30th of June or they buy it on the 1st of July, we'll have a massive tax difference based on the current rules. Instant tax write-off is up to 150000 but also if you need to purchase something above 150000 how does that work as far as, let's say, a farmer needed to buy a, a header or a tractor... 
um, and it was above the 150. How does that work for this financial year? Yep, so that was one of the other stimulus measures that came out. So it's called the Backing Business Investment Allowance. So based on that, you get a deduction of 50% of the value of the asset. So if you buy a header and it's $500,000, you get a deduction straight away for $250,000. And the remaining $250,000 gets depreciated at 15% like it would have in the past. So you're getting that additional 50% of the value of the asset up front as a depreciation claim uh, in the next financial year. And the only thing to keep in mind there is if it's above the 150, it needs to be brand new. Um, but if it's under the 150, it could be new or used. So yep, that's, that's, that's right. a good thing to know before June 30 this year. Yeah, and that backing business yeah. investment one, so that runs through to June 21. 21. So it's this year and next year. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for the uh, detail for businesses and, and what they can claim coming up with tax planning before June 30. What about individuals? So people out there, they don't own a business, but what? how can they kind of best plan for their own tax? Yep, so individually people will be impacted by JobKeeper as well. So it's probably looking at what they're going to earn for the year as well. So it might be a chance, like we mentioned earlier, with those capital gains, if there's an ability to move some assets and create some capital losses to offset those, that will help them at a personal level. Uh, obviously with superannuation contributions, there's an ability to, before the end of the year, put money into super and reduce your taxable income that way. So people might have had an inheritance, um, sold some assets throughout the year and have some spare cash lying around, they could use a one-off contribution to super to help reduce their taxable income for this year. And probably another one just with the properties at the moment and people with Airbnbs, obviously they've been smashed with their bookings and everything being wiped and occupancy rates, uh, yeah, probably at about 5% from an Airbnb. If you're lucky. Thing, if you're lucky. It might be down around zero for some of them. Definitely. So... It's probably an opportunity for those people if they're looking at doing any repair work on those properties while there's no one in them that they can go through and tidy up a few things that they haven't got around to so that when everything comes out the other side and they're ready to tenant those properties, there's a chance to do that. Also, even things like um, Airbnb, like uh, could be furniture or soft furnishings or any of those things. I mean, there's some pretty good deals retail going on at the moment, uh, even for sheets and couches and all that sort of stuff. So maybe it's an opportunity to, you know get some new gear like that into your Airbnb or whatever. So the other thing with those deductions for the rental property is the fact that some of them won't have had any rent for a period and it might be three to four months. So those individuals will have a much bigger loss potentially on those properties. So it'll bring forward the importance of them getting their personal tax return done so that they can get those tax claims back. So they'll obviously make less money, that loss will come off their income and they can get that tax saving back as part of their um, tax return. So the idea is coming and see Mulcahy accountant straight after July 1. <laughs> well, that's an, a very in, interesting point, Gav, because I'm not sure if we can have meetings, can we? But we're sort of setting it up so yeah. that it's an online uh, way of preparing tax returns, which we have done in the past, but I think it's... Yeah, we're assuming that we probably won't be able to at this stage have face-to-face meetings, um, but with everything we'll have set up electronic systems so that all the documents can be emailed through to us and we can have phone appointments to go through it or all online. Obviously, people are sort of working from home in different hours, so it probably suits to get it online to fit in with their lifestyle as well. I know a lot of the accountants here have got Skype addresses or uh, you could organise a Zoom meeting um, and share the, the meeting ID, so there's a few different ways to go about it. Yeah, and I think the tax office are gearing up to for tax return season to make sure they can get the lodgements in quickly and the, and the refunds out. So I think that's going to be a big part of it as well. 
Thanks, Mark, for all the tax planning advice there. He's, um, he's given us a lot of things to think about. Um, coming up too, guys, just uh, to not turn your dial off, is that we've got our um, preparing for the recession strategies. We've got our tip number three coming up at the end of the program. So just keep an eye out for that. Mark and Chris, um, I've just been reading a bit of the news going around at the moment, reading a um, bit up on The Guardian this morning, just some general things about the COVID-19. Um, one thing to keep in mind bit of advice for people out there or help um, is that there's been an increase um, in COVID-19 themed cyber activity. So that's your spam emails and that sort of stuff. They're obviously trying to, those emails are trying to either install software on your device or steal some personal information, maybe even your banking details. So if if you get an email from um, someone and you're not quite sure, um, we've got an IT department here, um, Darren and his team. So give the guys here a call, um, Mulcanco IT. They can give you a hand with that to see whether it is something that's... But if, you, if you've got any doubts at all, a couple of things to keep an eye out for is which email address it's coming from. Is it, If it's saying it's from Australia Post, just check it's from you know auspost.com.au, the email address. Um, so quite often that's the case. Sometimes what's written in the emails is a bit of broken English and that sort of stuff. So um, if it's not written very well, it's probably going to be spam. So... If you're really worried about something, don't click on the or don't double click the attachment or don't um, click on the link. If you're not sure, call the IT guys here. A couple of other um, news items come through today, guys. From the Age, obviously Scott Morrison uh, addressed the nation about midday today, um, talking about um, he's sort of saying that uh, we we could be looking at some restrictions being eased within about three weeks. Um, we saw. We saw uh, in general news, I suppose, we saw elective surgery come back on. That's coming back on next week. Uh, after the Anzac Day long weekend coming up. So, um, and further, and he sort of said today that further restrictions may ease in the next three weeks. Then the health officer came on and spoke about um, international travel. He's kind of shut that down for the next four months, definitely. So we all sort of think that maybe it'll go on a bit longer than that. But that international travel, us going somewhere or other people coming here is, is definitely closed for the next four months, moving on from the, the Virgin Airlines stuff we spoke yeah. about earlier. And just as a little, um, obviously there's a lot of healthcare professionals around the world at the minute looking for a vaccine or working on a vaccine for this thing at the moment. Um, Germany's sort of announced that they've got some human trials happening. They've got 200 healthy people between 18 and 55 that are going to receive several variants of the vaccine candidate that they've got ready. So you never know. I mean, we're all talking doom and gloom and COVID-19 and financial matters, but... If we can get a vaccine for this thing pretty quickly, um, the world could get back to normal pretty quick. Yeah, that's right. Things will change pretty quickly, won't they? So everyone will be up and about and there'll be still that big debt to repay possibly though, Gav. So that's where, you know, from an economic point of view, yeah, there's that opportunity to reform, which probably isn't a bad thing. And I guess we probably made the comment on each podcast, I think, that there will be some positives out of all this. And I think there, ha- there will be some change that is for the good. So I think, uh, yeah, hopefully they can get that vaccine sooner rather than later and then we can proceed and put in place those changes that probably needed to be made anyway. Something that's going to happen. Another little tidbit actually that came out today was it's been announced from a real estate point of view that the first homeowner grant has been extended to June 30, 2021. That's the $20,000 first home buy grant. That's for a brand new build or even a a house that's under five years old that is being sold for the first time. So that's that's been extended for a further 12 months. That was due to run out the $20,000 on June June 30, so they've extended that for another 12 months. All right, Chris, time for our takeaways from today's episode. Yeah, so our three key takeaways from Mark's uh, discussion around tax planning. So, look, I just wrote a few notes down, but um, I think one of the key things was is just to make sure that you do still 
do tax planning. Don't just think because of everything that's going on that you don't need to do it. It's a great opportunity to probably implement things that haven't been available in the past. Think about it that way. And as Mark touched on, most businesses were probably travelling pretty well up until this all happened. So they've probably had nine or so months of trading that have been really profitable. So we need to factor that in, plus the job keeper payments that will potentially come through. So there might be a few things there that um, mean that the end result from a profit and loss point of view is still reasonably good. So we just need to be mindful of that. I think with businesses too, um, a lot of people are concerned with their income, but tax planning is about how much money you're going to keep at the end of the day as well. So that's just as important as you know worrying about getting some income through the door is, is how much is going to go back out again. So it's an important thing to think about. Yeah, because even though this tax that we're looking to reduce is, I guess, the cut-off point is the 30th of June, sometimes that tax isn't payable until May the following year. So I guess you can be travelling along and, you know, the last thing you want is in nine, ten months' time, this tax bill that you weren't expecting or, or that you knew about but has now got to be paid. And from a cash flow point of view, ten months later could be completely different and you haven't got the cash but you've got this tax bill that related to a historical period so you've got to take all that into account as well and I think that was the second point that I wrote down was to do with cash flow making sure because I guess what we're trying to do is minimize tax conserve cash um, just so that we're prepared for the future so I think there's a great opportunity to do that particularly tapping into those company tax credits that have been paid so if you've got a company you've been paying tax previously they're stored in what we call a franking account and we can get access to the to those by paying dividends. But we've got to plan around that, declare the dividend and go through that process. And probably the third one was around um, just maximising the stimulus measure um, depreciation claim. So the 150000 write-off, the business incentive one for new items above 150000 that runs through to June 2021 – so I think those are the three key ones that I picked up on. Did you have any others, Gav? Um, no, I think you've covered it. Mark, Mark's very – he's a very knowledgeable man. Like yeah. you can't really – you can't confuse him with anything. He's, he knows his stuff. He so. does. No, look, we're very fortunate to have brought him in for this episode. He's – yeah, look, he's one of the best at it. So best in the business. Once people see the Mark Cunningham on the social media, they'll just be clicking yeah. on the This will go through the roof. This will yep. go through Absolutely. the roof. Yeah. We, we actually are, just a little bit of friendly internal banter, we actually are keeping an eye on how many listens for every, every episode. So we're, we're creating a little bit of competition internally. So, Mark, you know, you never know. Look, if you can top tells, I reckon, yeah, I think that'll create a lot of competition, won't it? Tax planning, pretty exciting topic. I thought you'd come in with a couple of good jokes, a couple of dad jokes maybe, that sort of thing. Uh, I'll <laughs> leave them for Simon when it's his turn. <laughs> All right, that's something to look forward to, Chris. Now to our final segment, preparing for the recession. And as we say each week, it sounds very negative, but I think we just need to prepare for what potentially is around the corner. So in the first uh, tip we had was getting your finances in order, and that's when we had a chat with Neil McCann, our uh, Loans and Finance Director, and just talking about you know, getting your funding, your working capital in order before you actually need to. Uh, episode two and tip two, sorry, uh, we spoke about investing in client and customer relationships and Gav gave us a really good rundown on making sure that we're looking after our existing clients and customers and not necessarily going out there searching for new ones at, in these times, but just making sure we're really betting down um, you know, our relationships and using marketing, the social media and, and so forth to make sure we're communicating. And that idea that it's a lot cheaper for your business to keep those current clients as repeat customers than it is to get a brand new customer through the door. So, 
That's it. Now, tip three, get fit. Get fit. Does that mean bicep curls? Well, or? I'm not sure. Now, this is probably right up your alley, Gav, being the stalwart of F45 Ballarat, pumping out uh, exercises at 6am most mornings. So are we, are we talking keep fit, keep your head clear, or do you think we're talking about being financially fit? Well, I think we're just making sure we're in the right uh, – yeah, a bit of both, I guess. Um, but, you know, I think everyone's different, but I think – if you can get into that routine of doing some physical exercise, I think it does help. It certainly helps me. If I don't do it, I know well, everyone around me knows that I haven't done it. So, um, But I think it is, yeah, just getting that routine of probably just, yeah, whether it's a walk, um, you know, on the exercise bike, push bike, just get out there, get some fresh air, yeah, and just feel better about yourself. Particularly us when we sit in an office all day, I think it's essential. And especially those people working from home, they're staring at a computer screen, maybe having a few meetings a day, staring at a video screen. Um, I haven't seen family groups out and about as much as I've seen in the last month ever. Like, you know, there's whole family groups walking with dogs and on kids on bikes and whatever, and it's really, really uh, good to see, actually. It's been yeah, really no, it is really positive, isn't it? So, yeah, so I guess between us all, we probably thought that, that was essential to probably look at that. We know what's around the corner. We're going to be probably facing some more challenging times. And I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in the right place physically and – you know, mentally, I think you can handle all those things a lot better. And I think, as I said, we're all different. But for some, it's just as simple as getting up, going for a bit of a run, walk, whatever it is. Just getting the body sort of moving. I think it does, uh, for me especially, it's just, it does clear your head. It actually makes you be able to take in more information for the day and that you're ready to go. And if you've done some regular exercise, it must be something to do with blood flow or amount of blood going to my brain or something like that, but, you know. Yeah, it might just be those bicep curls, guys. Yeah, it's probably just the bicep, the money shots, they call them. So, But uh, thankfully, it's not a video episode, that it's just a podcast, because otherwise, yeah. you know, you'd be <laughs> disappointed by my biceps. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, Chris, that's great. And I suppose our podcast in general, up to episode four here, but getting fit financially, I suppose, uh, is really one of the things that we're trying to assist you to do. Um, it's what... The Mulcane Code business is all about. Um, we call this podcast FS360 because it's based around our 12 steps to financial security, which you can find on our website. But um, And each week we're going to um, invite a different guest in to talk about a different topic and uh, hopefully everyone out there in Cyberland's enjoying what they're listening to, Chris. Yeah, now look, we have got a few... Uh People requesting to come on as guests, actually. Well, we have we've really hit yeah, celebrity no, look, status. It's, here. it's sort of getting to that stage where you know we have to draw them out of a hat. So uh, we've got um, Rachel Tricky's keen to come have a chat about cash flow software. So that'll be nearly as exciting as Mark's tax planning, I reckon. Rachel's from Ag- Agri Solutions, yeah, so, so Agri Business. Yeah. So for the Agri side of things, they use a program called Figured, and then for the non-farming they use spotlight reporting most of those link up with zero or myb and so forth so she's going to have a bit of a chat to us about that um in the superannuation area catherine neville she's very keen to get on here and have a bit of a chat about super uh self-managed superannuation so she's actually stopped me in the hallway a few times yeah. asking when she oh, can get on and mark we had to put mark ahead of her yeah that's just, right. just to get on that's right so <laughs> look within the next few weeks we'll definitely have catherine on because and then the legal guys, they're, they're really keen. Look, there's a lot of stuff happening in the legal area around um, tenancies and leases, commercial leases and so forth with, with the coronavirus. So, yeah, look, it would be interesting to get those guys on as well. I think, yeah, well, if anyone hasn't met our director of legal, Brad Matthews, he, he would have a few good dad jokes, I reckon. Yeah, he would. He's a very he funny would. man. Yeah, the yeah. pressure will be on. Yeah. yeah. And, and now that I've pumped him up, he's really got yeah. to be funny. Yeah, that's right. No, thanks, Chris. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate your time, Mark Cunningham. Thanks for having me, guys. And, Thanks, um, Mark. 
hopefully everyone's got something out of today's podcast and um, be well, guys, and uh, look after yourselves and we'll see you next time. Thank you.